I feel like you just have to have a cold open nowadays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Dynasty Movement Podcast. I am Burn, one of your hosts, and I am joined by Down With Fun, one of your other hosts. Hello. So, now that we're into the show here, how you doing today? We're doing pretty alright. Uh, a little sleepy, uh, because I had a little bout of insomnia last night, and... Uh, you know, I hate to to start off with my Jerry Seinfeld talking about the weather here, but it's just been yo-yoing so much oh, here in Chicago. beautiful out here today. It, it has been, but the issue is, is it's been going up and down too quickly, and when it does that, I usually get a migraine, oh. and it hasn't affected me that much, but this year, it's been insane. So I feel like I've been, I've been having, like, a bad migraine, like, once a week or something. Um... I am not a doctor, but have you considered drugs? <laughs> hey, kids! Uh, I, yes, I mean, of course. You know, I'm, I'm a thoroughly modern man. Of course, at the the sign of... At, at the first hint of danger, I'm considering drugs. Oh, the first slight inconvenience that I have. The slight discomfort. Instant drugs. Yeah. Uh, how, how are you doing? Hey, sponsors. Um, I'm doing well feel it a little dangerous today apparently as i'm talking about drugs and making circular arguments um but yeah i've uh, enjoyed the weather it was a solid 65 today might go golfing tomorrow love that be another thursday? beautiful day a thursday golf day in the middle of november couldn't That's be ballsy. so bad yeah why not you you are feeling dangerous today. i am yeah <laughs> hey there my employer um you're just trying to close the deal. <laughs> I on am the golf course. having a great time. So, no, I'm just happy to be back. Obviously, last week did not work out. Um, for those of you who weren't here and didn't see the announcements, we had some technical difficulties. Uh, we, if you are a Spotify listener, do all of our recording and streaming on Discord, and Discord was uncooperative. So, today we are back. We are happy to be back. Ostensibly, I am. Um, I'm cheery. So yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, the topics of the day, for those of you who are here with us and those of you who will be joining, are we've got a little action to talk about, but that was last week. But we do have some action to talk about this week, too, because... Um, we, we played fast and loose with time and the Mid-American Conference on this podcast. Um, but we did have the TDM Pod Bowl this week. We did. So we, we did. do have to address that at least for a couple of minutes. Maybe maybe even just two minutes exactly. Yeah. I'd like to talk about it as little as possible, actually. I, As somebody who didn't watch a minute of it and just refreshed the Google score, not once, not twice, but thrice at your behest, that's about all I can contribute. Well, we will get into that mostly just for the shit talkery in a second we also have uh the topic name is went season and the terrible year of quarterback injuries so we're going to address how miserable the landscape has been and how beat up and everybody is 
and we have another addition to that as of this morning. Yes. So that's something to hit on a little bit. And uh, we're going to get into a little bit of game theory and uh, when a productive struggle becomes counterintuitive and it becomes an be... unproductive teardown. So <laughs> let's have some fun. <laughs> the, 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 the use of the term game theory is going to be putting my undergrad economics degree to work. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. I'm going to market the shit out of that. So with that... It, it should first be known that uh, Mr. Down with Fun here went to the wonderful Northern Illinois University. Huskies, bark, bark. And as I have made abundantly clear, I went to Western Michigan University. And these two teams played each other in their annual uh, futility off. <laughs> the, the winner gets the golden utility trophy? Uh, yeah, so they were fighting... This last night, actually, last Tuesday night, matching, gotta love it. But yeah, they were uh, the loser what, was eliminated from bowl contention, and the winner. What, what went to is five the name of of the matchup? I don't think there's even a name of the matchup. I don't think it's technically a rivalry. Really? Because last week, uh, when we were going to record, it's the TDM bowl yeah. now, right? But it should be. The, I mean, the, that's just what yes. it is. It is the TDM Bowl, the as Pod in Bowl. the Dynasty Movement, and it's also the TDM Bowl in that it's monotonous <laughs> as hell. Oh, it's tedious as fuck. But, but last week, uh, when we failed to record our episode, I had gone to the Northern Illinois football game against Ball State, mm -hmm. and the trophy um, of that contest each year, uh, the, the winner is awarded the bronze Stock, and it is a bronze corn stalk. Um, I don't know why they didn't go with silver or gold, or but they they went with bronze. It's the I, I feel like there's so many college matchups that have like a silly, stupid trophy. Yeah, like well, that. Let's we see. don't. I'll look it up really quickly. I would be very. I surprised. have the internet. Uh, yeah, this is true. I'd be very surprised if there wasn't some sort of weird token midwestern thing because like smaller conferences like the mac they love just trying to inject as much tradition and pageantry as possible um it does not look like there is any name for the game between western michigan and northern illinois all right well we got to reach out to the heads of the mac then and let them know that it's now the dynasty movement podcast bowl um i'm actually entirely for that so, so yeah, yeah, we, let's do we, that. We, we we played a game. How did it go? So the the <laughs> TDM Pod Bowl, the tedious Pod Bowl, was a twenty-four to nothing shutout by Northern Illinois. That's right. Against That's right. my withered, flailing horses. Yep, we uh, we sent them to the glue factory, as it were. The uh... <laughs> those. God damn it. What, <laughs> you, the... you completely destroyed my flow with that. The, uh, Why? How did sent them to the sent them to the glue factory. They just got me. Um, yeah, we did. It, that's like the most obvious like thing to say about a team that has any sort of horse mascot. So Jalen Buckley, the only player of note for Western Michigan, was held to 26 yards on nine carries as Northern Illinois, along with any other team that has beaten Western Michigan, just decided, what if we just stop the run? 
And it turns out that's all you have to do because Western Michigan is the Jets of the Mac without a defense. The Jets of the Mac. What an illustrious thing to say about a team. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They were good before, once upon a time. Oh, wow. Last night was senior night, too? I, well, I think it's junior night now. (laughs) But, (laughs) oh, uh, the Iowa-Minnesota football game, uh, the trophy is a bronze pig. The, yeah, the Floyd I, uh, of Rosedale. Yeah, I actually went to that game that they played each other back in like 2013, I think. In Minnesota like or Iowa? It, it was in Minnesota, I think. It was like 2013 or 2014. Okay, so you drove up? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a bunch of friends that went to school up there. Um, so it was a good time. I'm trying to... What, what is the name of the Northern Illinois quarterback this year? It's um, something very goofy. Rocky Lombardi? Rocky Lombardi, It's dude. a great name. What a hell That's of a, a name. That's a football name. Yeah, that, that that is totally a mid-American conference name right there. Rocky Lombardi. Of course he went in and beat your team 24 to 0, man. And you want to know how good chance. You want to know how good Rocky Lombardi was last night? Did, oh, did you just tell you how that. football name this is? He was 9 for 17 for 92 yards, no touchdowns, interceptions. That's a mid-American conference. That's a Mac line, line right there. One. Now, Ontario Brown with an A <laughs> ran on, 159 man. yards on 21 carries for two touchdowns with a long of 66. So that's man. where things uh, went awry for the old Broncos. Come on, that, Ontario Brown. That's such a good name. That if is a phenomenal a, name. If, if there's a if there's ever a wide receiver in the same mold of Antonio Brown from Canada, we need to call him <laughs> that. Come I, on. I'm actually I'm looking into this young man now. Oh, he's from uh, Savannah, Georgia. What a shame. Damn. Because I was really hoping this person was Canadian. However, Mr. Brown. Uh, is averaging six point yards, one yards per carry, nine touchdowns, and over a thousand yards already. So, hey. just to be clear, because I don't know anything about my team, he, he's for Northern Illinois, right? Correct. Yeah, he. Uh, mm. My my understanding is he is basically our entire offense. He's also a junior. I uh, I do know so, that uh, hmm, something maybe? about Rocky Lombardi is he's like played at NIU. This is like his like sixth or seventh year. Because he was like redshirted and sat out for COVID, mm-hmm. so so he's just like been there forever. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, he's a redshirt senior. Yeah. Also, for those of you who are listening right now, you should look up a picture of Mr. Rocky Lombardi because you will not be disappointed. Do, do you have a good post a picture in the chat? I, want I to. will. I don't know if I can copy his picture off of the ESPN app that I haven't pulled up on right oh I can wow shout out ESPN that's like the one good thing they've done all right that that let's not give any more roses to I'm just gonna put it right in uh, I'm gonna put it right in uh, TDM main without any context because I I can't post it in the stage (laughs) because if I join this dude well if I join because it's on my phone no 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 Uh, you see the picture oh that's a beautiful band right that's a wonderful that's Rocky Lombardi he looks like a character out of like a Mad TV sketch. That is not even Rocky SNL. Lombardi. Mad TV. Like if someone told me Rocky Lombardi looked like this, 
see, yeah, he just put it right in there. He looks like his name is Rocky Lombardi. And that's a wonderful <laughs> thing. That's so good. He's that's so excellent. Good. Oh, man. But, yeah, um, so it, it went very poorly. Um, my takeaway from it, though, is uh, Ontario Brown. Uh, I hadn't heard of him prior to this game. And after hearing name? of this guy, uh, I know this is a fantasy football podcast. And, well, I'm a little intrigued. I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, like, smitten, but I'm intrigued. This is someone that's putting I'm, up pretty solid numbers. Uh, in I know it's the Mac, but Kareem Hunt also put up pretty solid numbers in the Mac. Like, good players are good players. I'm keeping an eye on him. Yeah. I mean, this, this year especially, there's been an absurd amount of fantasy-relevant undrafted free agent rookies like rookie running backs so well and this is especially in a draft like 2024 where it's looking kind of like a running back wasteland if he decides to declare why not this actually might not be a terrible year for him to do it yeah so no it'd be fun i'm always looking for little gems yeah it it was uh you know even though i didn't watch the game we need to come up with some sort of uh trophy or punishment or both. the uh the golden microphone i don't know the, the golden gifted one month of nitro oh i pay uh i pay annually here oh uh, we'll come up with something we'll yeah, we'll slip into my dms we'll think of something <laughs> it makes it far more du- it makes it far more dubious if we do this behind closed doors <laughs> rather than workshop it yeah I, I can dig it. So, um, on that note, we'll move on. Because yeah. we said we'd talk about the Mac for two minutes, and then we talked about it for 15. But, the quarterback situation here. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Watson, who we all love and appreciate, because he's a great person. I'm dripping in sarcasm. Is out for the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, to add to Jalen Hurts, who was playing Jalen Hurt last week against okay. the Cowboys. Okay. Uh, Matthew Stafford is very questionable to play this upcoming week to the point where the Rams signed Carson Wentz um, for the little short 15-20 minute show that we did live last week before just realizing that we weren't going to be able to get it done. Uh, Carson Wentz is not a person you want in your locker room, generally speaking. He's just not a friendly dude so it says a lot about how Stafford's doing uh, that they decided to go that direction Um, Kyler's obviously just back from injury Uh, we have Aaron Rodgers who's been out Uh, I'm Fields is ostensibly going to be back this week so we're uh, we've had a lot of dudes banged up here um which I don't really know where I'm trying to go with this. Other than the fact that Josh Dobbs is the guy. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Kirk Cousins you is out. off this segment by saying this is something we call Wentz season. And it is Wentz ram- season. You just, but... you just listlessly go on about like a couple Inj- random injuries that you're like, well, I all mean, that to say, Josh Dobbs. Dobbs somebody that i didn't mention in that trail of things exactly 
But, I, but look, I do look, get I'll it, put this... talk, jo- talk about the god Josh Dobbs, and I am more than happy to talk about the god Josh Dobbs. I, I agree that we should. That that really goes to, to show, though, like, in between the episode that we were planning on doing last week and this week alone, the quarterback landscape has shifted so much. We thought that Carson Wentz was going to start for a little bit for the Rams because why else would you sign a locker room cancer like him? And now he might and, not even play a game. And and now Matt Stafford, like all the reports from today are like, yep, he's got the normal zip. Like he can grip the ball just fine. Uh, Josh Dobbs is playing like a top eight QB. At least top 32. I mean, I, I don't even like he – he is playing like a legitimate starter right now. Yeah, Josh Dobbs has done very well for himself. Uh, my hope at the end of all of this is that Josh Dobbs gets an opportunity somewhere to actually have like a settled situation, a full off season to like actually get. Because that's one thing. He's playing well. He was traded late to the Cardinals. And then he was traded midseason to the Vikings. Never really had an opportunity to learn the whole playbook or the offense or anything. And then it's just thrusted in there and it's been playing very well for himself yeah i i kind of see josh dobbs maybe being uh he could be like 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 i'm picturing next year he's either gonna do one of two things i could see him staying in minnesota along with Kirk cousins as sort of like a they both know the offense thing we're gonna try to push this thing as far as we can you know, we, we don't need to move on from either of these guys. There's obviously concerns with both of them, but they both help mitigate that. Or I could see Josh Dobbs going somewhere to be um, <clears throat> like the Gardner Minshew of uh, of this year, or, or excuse me, of next year, and that he's like a pretty dang good backup quarterback who is like a good vet presence and can kind of like ferry them along on their journey, you know, and be mm-hmm. there just in case something like Anthony Richardson happens again. Or even like a Marcus Mariota situation where he's just a high-end backup behind a much higher-end starter is injury insurance. Yeah, I mean, either way, he looks like a top 40 quarterback in the league. Oh, easily. Um, um, but I, I think just looking at the quarterback, I guess uh, I'm blanking on the word. The field of quarterbacks in the league. The landscape. The there we landscape. go. Thank you. <laughs> um, but looking at the quarterback landscape for the league, there's obviously a lot of teams that are in need or probably don't realize it yet, but are in need. Uh, looking at you, Patriots, I think they know. But, that yeah, I know this is a deep class for uh, QB, but... If you're a team that's taking a guy like uh, Jalen Daniels or something, where it's kind of like a, eh, maybe he'll be any good. Eh, why not take a Josh Dobbs instead? Especially if you're contending and you have an older quarterback or you're the Jets and you're not necessarily comfortable with Rodgers' health at age 41 coming off an Achilles or something like that. I think he should be given a chance to either start somewhere or at the very least be somewhere where he's going to have an opportunity to play yeah i mean i'm i'm picturing him 
I, I think more likely than not, he probably stays in Minnesota. I feel like he's already cemented himself to be sort of uh, sort of a legend there, like uh, kind of on the same run as like Case Keenum, because Josh Dobbs single-handedly stopped the entire state of Minnesota from drinking bleach about the Vikings' outlook. Like things were looking bad, man. Justin Jefferson, like the heart and soul of that offense, goes down. Kirk Cousins is playing lights out, the best football that he's ever done, playing like a top, not e- not even like a, not even like a top ten quarterback. Like Kirk Cousins was like a top five quarterback. Yep, and then um, goes and, right and down right, too. Yeah, you're you're right, Nick. He hasn't earned the Case Keenum status yet, but he's really righted the ship. Where you know, Justin Jefferson goes down. Uh, Kirk Cousins goes down. The sky was falling. Everybody was ready to like hit the big red button, go complete resale, uh, 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 rebuild mode. And Josh Dobbs came in and he said, "Not yet, not yet. Everything's gonna be just fine. Like I don't need to know the playbook. I don't need to know anything. You know, just talk it in my ear and I'll figure it out." And he's looking. He's looking better than the the quarterback on like twenty other teams right now. It's insane. Well, and that's just it. Is I mean, five weeks ago we were talking about the Vikings potentially being in the running for Caleb. Like they were, they started what one in five. Yeah, and now they're um, they, six and five. They were. Uh, there believe. was a chunk of time where I considered yeah. them and the Bears to be about equal level, and man, has that just completely rotted away. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, no, they're I, currently okay. So they're second in the NFC North. Yeah, but yeah, I mean they're they're obviously behind the lines. But Kevin O'Connell needs to win Coach of the Year. Oh, Kevin O'Connell's yeah. a phenomenal coach. He does like, not get Ke- nearly enough credit. Ke- Ke- I mean, I I think he is now. Well, I think that now people recognize just how much he's done for that team. Because there's no way that you have a guy like Josh Dobbs, yeah, a person four. that we all laughed at this year when the Cardinals said that they were rolling with him as their starter. He comes in and and Kevin O'Connell molds him in his image and they they go on to win two in a row. Yeah. And and they're 6 like, and 4. They're a game and a half back from the Lions. The, like Kevin O'Connell with with Josh Dobbs, you know. This is not a this is not even a this is not a, an Anthony Richardson or a CJ Stroud or even a Bryce Young like who was the number 1 overall pick this year. This is Joshua Dobbs. Journeyman, backup, third round the, pick. The pastronaut. Yeah. And, and Josh Dobbs comes in right away with three days of being on the team, and Kevin O'Connell just whispers in his ear, and, and they win a game. Like, this, that, that, that first game with Josh Dobbs coming in uh, for emergency relief shows how valuable good coaching is because I'm about to say some scorching hot takes here, but Josh Dobbs with Kevin O'Connell looks better than uh, every rookie quarterback this year, except for CJ Stroud. And it's Josh Dobbs. Like he's not a, this was not a highly touted prospect. This was a, this This is a guy guy, we all thought was left for dead. This is a guy that when he was traded to the Cardinals, everyone was saying, Oh, he's going to be a backup behind Clayton Toon. That feels impossibly long ago now. Right? 
Yeah. They traded him for what? A seventh or a sixth or something like that? They they bought him for a fifth and they flipped him for a sixth. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the Vikings even got him for a sixth, it was, what was it, him and a seventh for a sixth? Yeah, you know, I, like, this might, this might be spinning out past the, uh, uh, the scope of this segment, so feel free to re- reel me in. Yeah, we're if, just, tan- if I'm going you know there. how we go, we just tangent, whatever, <laughs> I, this is the topic now. I do, but Josh. Okay, Do- yeah. This is just a Josh Dobbs topic. We, I don't care we, about we, these other guys now. We we went from it being. A we can talk about injured just... quarterbacks any day. We're talking about Josh Dobbs today. Well, I I would like to talk about a couple of the, the, those other situations, but oh, for, we'll get there. I, I, much has been said about Josh Dobbs's performance performances in Minnesota at this time. You know where people are looking mm-hmm. at what he's been able to do and win two in a row in Minnesota with really not having that many offensive weapons other than a hobbled TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. Um, and KJ Osborne. Sure. sure. Pride of Ypsilanti. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the half, the, the quarter of one Achilles that Cam Akers had left, but People are looking at him winning two in a row, and they're pointing at teams like the Jets or, um, uh, I don't know, the Patriots. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at other teams that are in dire quarterback situations, and they're being like, wow, like, LOL Jets, you know, they didn't even attempt to trade for Josh Dobbs or anything. And, like, oh, yeah, and the Giants, too. Um, but, uh, uh, this is such like revisionist history that's going on. Josh Dobbs looks like he was tapering off in his time in Arizona. He, he certainly had some impressive flashes in Arizona, but he was not the slam dunk bridge quarterback that he's being looked at now. And this is because of Kevin O'Connell. Okay. If you think that Josh Dobbs would be materially different. And and I'm not trying to take anything away from Josh Dobbs. He is an extremely impressive quarter backup quarterback. And I don't want to take that away from him. But if you honestly think that Josh Dobbs on the New York Jets would be that much materially different than what they're experiencing with Zach Wilson... I really don't think that you're seeing the entire picture of what's going on with all of these teams. Um, and, and this is a, this is a testament to Kevin O'Connell and his campaign for coach of the year. Okay. Josh Dobbs behind a hobbled line that got Aaron Rodgers assassinated in four snaps and having those weapons would just not be the Josh Dobbs that we're seeing in Minnesota right now. Oh, absolutely not. Um, and that's my little spiel on everybody saying, you know, to all these teams that are in QB purgatory, like, why didn't they throw a pick at Josh Dobbs? And that's and that's also to say nothing of the human element of potentially dividing locker rooms, you know, on on teams that are the teams like the New York Jets. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's. Maybe maybe this is my little soapbox on Zach Wilson. Oh, good after I've, it. I've been saying it a lot in the main chat, but there's something to be said about Zach Wilson specifically being the backup quarterback for the New York Jets, 
yeah, he hasn't looked that great. Yeah, part of it's his fault. But again, he doesn't have that line. He doesn't have that weapons. And looking at it on a pure morale level, if you bring in another guy who could potentially split the locker room, you're going from being a bad, like a, a frustrating team, like the Jets are, because they have that amazing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're in every single game until the final play. Like it, it like literally comes down to a hail mary every single play from Zach Wilson or every single game. But you go from everybody universally rallying behind a guy on that team, even if he's not that good, to splitting the locker room, forcing people to take sides, and having a full-blown mutiny on your hands. So you go from having a, a team that has a great defense that with a frustrating offense to people choosing sides back like whispering coming out you know wide receivers making wide receiver tweets right like i mean no you you go from wide receivers making wide receiver tweets to like the to like the center the center is going to start wide receiver tweeting oh that's no honestly nobody should be wide receiver tweeting right nobody should be doing that but like all that's to say is like I, I think too many people in the fantasy and dynasty world look at the raw numbers of output that's going on um, in terms of production and forgetting the very human element uh, that that is also going on here. Um, and so, like, th- this is this is saying, you know, Zach Wilson is bad, but, like, Nobody that was available for the Jets would be changing that team around. And one of my spicier pick takes is that Aaron Rodgers gets this team like one more win. Honestly, the 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 parts there are not as good as people want to say that. And uh, this is also saying Kevin O'Connell, coach of the year. You can't re- replicate what he's doing with Josh Dobbs elsewhere in the league. So. On one side, I do think the Jets would have more than one more win if they had Aaron Rodgers in. Like I said, it's a spicy take, but... <laughs> I was going to say, again, the we, difference we can... between Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers is a little little bigger than that. You know? but... No, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. I won't. Um, but I do agree Kevin O'Connell at this point in the year does deserve coach of the year, um, especially if they're racking up two more wins after losing their quarterback. And it's not a situation where it's like Dan Jones going down after he has been playing as the worst quarterback in the league. It's a guy who was top five. And they replace him with a guy who then immediately starts playing as a top five. So that's very much coaching to me, especially since they are missing Justin Jefferson. It's one thing it's like, oh, yeah, well, Dobbs is doing great. But, like, that offense is stacked. The offense is stacked, but (laughs) that's they're missing the part that makes them stacked. So, I mean, they're also missing Alexander Madison. You mm-hmm. know, they had to plug in Akers Ty Chandler. Cam Akers got hurt. So, Hawkinson got hobbled. Yep, which I will say the Vikings did, as uh, Nick said in the chat, the Vikings went on a win streak the moment uh, Jefferson went down. But their four losses are against the Chargers, Chiefs, Eagles, and Bucks. 
And since then, they have had, like, Carolina and Chicago and Green Bay. So their schedule got a little easier, too. Let's not just say, you know, there's more correlation here than... uh, Is Justin Jefferson the new Chase Claypool? (laughs) Justin Jefferson is just toxic in there. He just can't be... He can't be around. Well, it it Um, was... uh, What, he went on a 14-game losing streak between being on the Steelers, then being traded to the Bears, then being traded to the the Dolphins. Dolphins? Yep. Yeah, we just that was kind of silly. We just need to find what kind of contract he could take for Green Bay, but I don't think they need his help right now. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm very happy for Dobbs. Uh, the Jets are doing their best; they're hanging in there. Um, but I guess the point I did want to make as we got into QB injuries, and I feel like this happens every year, is like these higher end rookie backups or like like these rookie backups like later in the draft or these higher end backups like a Dobbs or a Mariota or a Heineke or whatever I feel like you can get them so cheap before an injury happens and inevitably like I want to say there's like over 50 quarterbacks that start a game every year and if you're playing in Superflex, especially later in the year, I mean, injuries pile up as the season goes on. If you have, like, an extra spot, it's like, I'd rather have Heineke on my team than some random backup wide receiver or something like that. I, I have taken the approach this year of I, – I, I totally agree with that. I have taken the approach this year that unless somebody is an extremely – unless there's like an extenuating circumstance for a wide receiver uh i don't want anyone on my bench that's not a running back or a quarterback you know like like have have like five five or six wide receivers that you know you can plug in throughout the year that you feel like pretty decent with uh but then every like you know i i i almost feel like the the same mantra, you know, any anyone on the 53 or whatever, uh, any RB on the 53, whatever mantra people say, I almost feel like that same approach should be taken to QB2s around the league. Um, not, like, not necessarily every single one. Like, do I really care uh, who the backup quarterback is on – the Bengals, you know, when people were freaking out about Joe Burrow potentially being out. No. Um, but in Superflex leagues, you know, even Tommy DeVito this week kind of got it home uh, in garbage time and put up like 16 points. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I think that the, there, there are backup quarterbacks that have some, like, you obviously have every single starting quarterback in the league, but I think after those top 32 quarterbacks, there there are like 10 or so backup quarterbacks around the league uh, that I think I would consider like high-end quarterback handcuffs. You know, like if, if for example, uh, in Seattle, if Geno Smith were to go down, Drew Locke would be a monster. I knew Drew Locke there. had to come at some point. He, he does. I've, I've been banging the drum for Drew Locke all year, you know? Like, for fantasy purposes, he'd be great. Same thing with Jameis Winston. 
Uh, Heineke has had like pretty all right production. Um, you know, like I, I feel like, uh, this, I, I agree with you in that like every year there's probably like 50 starting quarterbacks this year, especially though, feels like we have had a lot, just a wave of desolation against, uh, starting quarterbacks. And I can't recall there being like this many quarterback handcuffs that have like had extended relevance for the season. You so know? there are like, currently 56 quarterbacks that have started a game so far this year. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, for me, I would be looking at like quarterbacks uh, on teams that I feel like would be able to operate decently with a lesser talent. Like, and not to toot the Lions' own horn, but their offense is built. You can dink and dunk with them pretty well. And Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he started for quite a while. If you're in, like, if you want a cheap backup, I mean, if Goff goes down, they're just going to be having him throw into Gibbs and Amon Ra a thousand times a game. Yeah. And just let them do the work. Br- Bridgewater is, like, somebody that I would feel good about putting in that, like, te- top ten backup quarterback situation where it's like yeah if if golf goes down for any period of time there's definitely going to be a drop in production but like i would you would need a pretty good player in superflex you would need to have like a uniquely deep team to start someone over teddy bridgewater yeah i think that or i mean uh jaron hall um Obviously, Will Levis before, but now he's the starter. So flip it around. <laughs> Brian Tannehill, yeah. uh, Gardner Minshew before you know he became the starter. Um, well, uh, Cooper Rush like Tan- is another one. Someone like Tannehill, I think, is a pretty pretty unique spot. Because how how old is Tannehill? Is he thirty five? Um, I believe so. He's like, definitely like someone, one of the older players out there. Like. He was, yeah. He's, he's been benched. He's been benched this year for Will Levis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people think that he's done, but I kind of like. I, I don't I like. I could Brian see Tannehill. him getting a bridge deal next year. Yeah, somewhere. I I don't like Tannehill at all, but I kind of like him as like a sneaky buy right now because his price, his price is probably the lowest that it's going to be again until he's done you know so if if you could like if if you could get him for you know like a fourth or a fifth round pick when everybody thinks that he's just done like that's not bad for for you know the potential bridge gig that he might get somewhere or you know like i i think that he's still like a pretty high-end backup quarterback yeah, and another thing I want to get into uh, just personally is, if like in my super flex leagues, just taking the you know fourth, fifth, sixth round quarterbacks, like late in the draft. Because I mean, last year we had Sam Howell, who I mean, if you drafted him, congratulations on your QB four that you got for free. Um, Aiden O'Connell this year has started five or six games. Dorian Thompson Basically Robinson. Free. Yep, DTR is starting this week. Um. It's like they just kind of appear. Not always. I mean, it's a low-volume bet. 
it's a low chance, but yeah, it's Tyson Bajent. Yeah. Well, I Secret I think Bajent man. Yeah, like I I think that there's, I I I think that there's a good process that could be made from this, um, just from I I think that this year has been a very good case study for reading the quarterback landscape. And I think that we could sort of reverse engineer it to tear out like what should be priority ads for um, like the non-starting quarterback landscape. Uh, that That is definitely beyond the scope of this segment. But like, I think there's something to be said about taking rookie quarterbacks, regardless of their draft capital, or in the case of Tyson Bajant, even if there is none. <laughs> um, I think there's something to be said about taking bad rookie quarterbacks that are drafted by bad teams and just see because because anything could happen, man. Like even Clayton Toon got one game. I mean, granted he was thrown to the wolves, but like, you know, the Raiders went with Aiden O'Connell just because they are, they, they, they were in pure table flip mode from the hole that McDaniels dug them. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a, a little bit of a unique case um, because of uh, you know Deshaun Watson, but even then, I did not think that I I thought that DTR was a good ad going into this year for some speculative upside purely because of the uh, extenuating circumstances surrounding Deshaun Watson specifically. But you have uh, you have Hall in Minnesota. He got a shot. He got injured. Uh, which sucks, but, but he got like, he got a shot. Um, you know, if something were to happen, that, that would be catastrophic for, uh, like the saints, you know, Hayner might be a guy. I don't know. Uh, even Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito, like, yeah, you know, he's getting his run. I don't know. Three points. Yeah. Like in treat them like the, the same like with these quarterbacks you can treat them the same way that you would with like uh a team's rb3 you know you're holding these guys because the scarcity at their respective positions you're never expecting like, to play them unless someone yeah. gets hurt so at that you're point expect- you may as well shoot for the ceiling and quarterback is the ceiling exactly yeah and like who knows like you're obviously not going to run into a Sam Howell or a Brock Purdy every year, but like we've seen a couple times now that these guys like can be legitimately fantasy viable for, for a, a period of time, even if they don't become the, the long-term starter. Yeah. And to kind of wrap this up a little bit um, for some homework, if anyone's interested, uh, just take a look at the current quarterback, like standings just by season and see how many of the quarterbacks are first round picks as you scroll down because it's about in the NFL in the NFL because just looking um, of the top five only two of them are first round picks and that's Justin Herbert and Josh Allen of the top 10 uh, five of them are not first-round picks, and Lamar Jackson is one of the first-round picks that was 32nd overall. So, right on that cusp. And it's just, as you scroll down, you're going to notice about half of the people that are start-worthy at quarterback were not first-round picks. And now if you look at someone like Will Levis, who was a very, very early second-round pick, he was, what, 11th, 12th in ADP in Superflex? 
So a lot of half of starting quarterbacks in the league were guys that you could get for a second round pick at some point or worse. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like, I would much rather be the guy in my, in my super flex league. That's rostering, you know, six, seven, eight quarterbacks. than like the guy who is just rolling with like three, you yeah. know, I mean, that's just it. Someone probably spent a second overall pick on uh, Zach Wilson, and meanwhile, uh, you could have gotten Fields probably for a lot cheaper, or you can just keep going down the list. I mean, last year, you could have gotten Pickett in the first round, or you could have gotten Sam Howell for free, or Brock Purdy, basically, for free. So it's like, take the darts. Why not? Yeah, and I, I all I these also, guys are going for like thirds, fourths. Yeah, and like I, I also think that there's, I don't know, there, there's so much to be made of the quarterback landscape and like the panic button on people because you know we we talked a little bit about Ryan Tannehill, like another guy that I kind of like as a buy, that that is a true buy low, the the kind of, the kind of buy low, that you inquire about them and people are like uh sure why the hell do you want them do you know something i don't like another one of those guys that i kind of like as a buy is mac jones because everybody thinks that he's like gonna be out of the league and he could probably be had for virtually nothing right now and maybe he is out of the league you know but it's more likely that he becomes some sort of bridge or veteran backup exactly that just bounces around and will probably start a lot of games in the future he might not be the team's primary starter but as we have seen people just kind of find a way to play they do and and especially with somebody who showed as much as he did his rookie year um i i don't know there's a chance that he's like the next carson wentz you know where there's all these reports coming out about how he's lost the locker room and there's a mutiny on their hands but then you know the news from the Patriots practice camp today is, uh, uh, oh, like he's taking all the first rep snaps at practice. But I don't know if, if as long as somebody has like a, like is relatively young and they, it, they are not in danger of falling out of the league for physical reasons because of their physical limitations. Um, I think, think it's worth buying them once there's enough chatter about them like being out of the league you know like people were saying that about justin fields earlier this year and there was like a really good buy low opportunity and now like that chatter is kind of you know it's gone up and down and up and down and up and down and like even if you don't want to roll with them you could always just buy low and then sell them the next time that people are feeling good about it and just profit so on that note, we're going to move on over to uh, our final planned uh, topic here, which is about tanking, because it has become abundantly clear that tanking is far more fun than competing. And there's a little bit of a How word. How does that become abundantly clear now? I feel like that's like the meme. That's, it is the that, meme, that, but like that, everyone that's does the it. Meme about dynasty. Yeah, exactly. So it's just more of a word of caution. Um, 
because I've seen a lot of people, you know, where it's, oh, hey, blow it up. Trade everything worth value. Uh, get your picks. Start from scratch. And I'm here to say, don't do that. So typically, when you see a team going all in on a tank, they just either... Well, there's two lines of thinking that I've seen. It's either sell all your running backs, sell all your, you know, 28-plus players that aren't going to contribute long-term because it's going to take a couple of years, they'll start to retire, whatever. Um, and, you know, you find your core, and then you just build off of that. And then there's the more rash individuals who will sell literally everything for picks and end up with nothing. And I'm going to pick on someone that's actually actively listening right now, which I know is, like, not what you're supposed to do on a podcast. But good friend of the show, actually smart Dynasty player, Jesus here, <laughs> my, <laughs> my poor buddy, uh, don't do what he did in our tight back league. Um, so I'm using him as an example because it's an excellent example. Uh, his team has CJ Stroud, which is excellent. He also has George Pickens, who is a pretty good player. Um, and well, not to be mean, but that's his team. And he has <laughs> two first round picks and four second round picks and two thirds and fourths this year followed up by not a whole lot for the next couple of years outside of his normal picks. Now, a lot of people will see a draft and they'll say, hey, I want this number one pick. I need this number one pick. No holds barred. I'll do what it takes to get it. You're not fixing an awful team with one player. That's just not how it works. So when you go, especially if there's someone else who's deciding to tank that same year, if you just start selling off pieces for the sake of selling it at a discount to try to get that first overall pick, you're just handcuffing yourself. Um, it's much, much better to have... Just think of it as a trade. Would you trade Caleb Williams, the first overall pick, and basically nothing for a solid team and the fourth overall pick? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know that was an open-ended question, but like, when once you start actually putting a number to what this top one, two, three pick is versus what you're getting four through seven or whatever, even if you're going to miss the playoffs, like the moment you start chipping away at that value over and over and over it's almost always a loss in the long term all of a sudden your two-year rebuild becomes a five-year rebuild because now you need to build literally from scratch and there's not enough picks in the world to do that and if you ever miss on a pick well just just add another year to it because once you sell off all you have left is the the picks that's it so you can hope that you can trade those picks before the season starts. Maybe someone else is buying into the Caleb hype more than you are, and you can flip that and get a little bit more. But the worst case scenario, which is happening for a lot of people who are fighting for that first overall pick now, is that that top three is kind of becoming a plateau as opposed to the first overall pick standing on its own, where people could just say, eh, I'll just trade for the second overall pick and get May or Marvin Harrison or whatever. And every time someone tears down a team early to ensure they get the first overall pick, I feel like it's never that cut and dry. And it always becomes a situation where you can't fix it with the pieces you get when you tear it down. 
Unless you were just starting with an abysmal situation already. Like, if you're taking an orphan and the person just neglected it for years and you have nothing, that's... It, like, that's a circumstance that's unbelievably rare. That's extraneous. I mean, you've got to do what you got to do at that point. But, like, if you're coming in with a relatively decent roster that, let's say, went, like, 4-9 and nine or whatever, wasn't spectacular. Obviously, 4-9 and nine is not where anyone wants to be, 4-10, and 10, but, like, you're still winning some games. Like, just don't kill yourself over it. <laughs> I... I'm I'm with you. I think that the I I I feel like there is too often this attitude with rebuilding of essentially doing no matter what you need to do to get that top overall pick. But like you said, if you actually break down the numbers of it, you're essentially putting all your eggs in one basket on a you know something that's more than a coin flip um for for these top prospects you know we're 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 fairly certain that they're that they're going to be a thing but things could very easily go awry if you strip yourself down for parts and then stand pat looking at that top pick to really change your team around and I feel like we are really, we we might be looking at like a shift in attitude on this after this year, because as I was about to bring up and Nick just pointed out in the chat, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor, like in case people needed a little bit of a history lesson in 2021, going into that draft class, People looked at Trevor Lawrence as the next Andrew Luck and was a truly generational prospect. He was you know? the like, hero for your dynasty team. You he draft was, him he, first overall and you are saved. He was looked as the guy that you build a team around. You strip out the copper from your walls and do anything that you need to to get this guy because he is going to be a pillar on your team for 15 years. And now Trevor Lawrence looks like a middling, not even a, like a fringe quarterback one, quarterback two. He looks like a middling quarterback two. And he is currently I, quarterback 20, about tied yeah. with Matthew Stafford in points, despite Stafford having played one less game. He is currently losing to Derek Carr in points, despite Derek Carr not finishing multiple games. So yeah, man, it's it's rough out here, and like I think that Trevor Lawrence, like he really drives the point home that these draft picks, you know, like we we were having a conversation you can't in the depend main on channel it. the other day about is Trevor Lawrence a bust, and and you know some people want to get in, into semantics of well, you know he's. Not he's in a, any danger of he's getting a good quarterback as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's just in he's not a good fantasy quarterback. For whatever reason, fine, the offense is just not working. Yeah, he's a fine real life quarterback, and you know, he's gonna play probably the next decade in the league or whatever, and you don't have to worry about him like really going away like like a Josh Rosen type or whatever. But 
I think in terms of the fantasy world, I personally feel comfortable calling him a bust because this is somebody that people were selling their souls for. And the same people are trying to do the same thing with Caleb Williams, who I still think is going to be a pretty good quarterback. But he should be great. Already, but people, you can't... people are starting to sour on just because he had like you know a little bit of a rough stretch, and now there's character concerns coming out and everything like that. And so what you were saying, Burn, if you uh, if you're stripping your team down to parts and then you're just counting on those draft picks to hit, I think that's like such a dangerous game because it you know all it takes is an injury here or a bust here or, or anything to happen and your team is you know belly up for another season and I, I i i'm curious to hear what your sort of guide is to that because i feel like i feel like people are underestimated like two things i mean the first thing is the biggest pitfall that people fall into in dynasty i think and that's overestimating how important age is. Um, so I think too many people think, oh, I'm rebuilding. I need to get this super team of players who are 24 or younger. You know, they just need to be young as hell. And those teams don't win. And those those teams don't win. That those teams never come to fruition. I have never really seen it. And if if anybody has ever seen a team like that win their league, actually. I would be very surprised. I think I'm sure it happens. I'm, I'm yeah. But I, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. Of course, it happens. But a team with um, Keenan Allen and Mike Evans is probably doing a whole lot better than a team with Drake London and Jer- like Garrett Wilson. Right. Yeah. So the, there's just so many things that can go wrong with those guys, and I I think like a way that can move the needle in the favor of teams that are rebuilding like i like the idea of once you choose to once you acknowledge okay i'm a rebuilder i need to get like i'm no longer playing to win i'm playing to get value right yeah and And you want to get points off your team yeah you want to get points off your team and you want to get value like i think too many people just think that means like oh i need to get draft picks or these super young guys and just sit on them or they just go overboard what was that or they just go overboard yeah yeah i i like you know too many people think like i need draft picks and i need like young players and i just need to sit on my hands but i i think that people need to be thinking about like buying the dip buying the dip on some true buy lows with your late round picks and hoping that that value rises so that you can sell them off more like people underestimate that aspect of rebuilding and so right now you could get like maybe not anymore i don't really know what the buying market is like for like a nick chubb type or or something like that but buying buying a player like that who for a brief period of time people thought he would be out of the league you know, you could have got him, and like all it takes is holding him, and then waiting for the news to come out. Oh, he's he's ahead of schedule. Like, you know, he's looking like the old Nick Chubb, and then you could sell him. You know, like you 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 could profit from that. Like another player like that, right now that I think is pretty ugly. Besides Ryan Tannehill or Mac Jones, you know that I think you could buy. Um, but like I keep having intrusive thoughts about Miles Sanders. You know, like. 
so many people out are, are out on Miles Sanders, and he could be had for very cheap. And you know, like if that goes belly up the way that people say it's going to, oh well, you know, you lost a late, late round draft pick that probably wasn't going to hit anyway. But if that hits, like all of a sudden you can flip Miles Sanders. Like you could either use Miles Sanders as like a depth piece next year, or you could flip him for for higher than you got him. You know, like it's these low risk, high upside plays that you need to be making at every age level and not just getting these, you know, 21 year old stud guys, you know? Well, and that's just it is a lot of these picks that if I'm a rebuilder, a lot of the picks that I'm getting in trades, my first thought is when I'm no longer rebuilding all these extra picks that I have, what can I turn them back into to contend? And if I'm not going to be able to replace the scoring that I sold them for, what's the point? Like, you still want... Like, I'm not giving away value on my team regardless of the situation because at the end of the day, that value is built into how many points your team can score. And if I'm giving away all of my points this year to the point where I can't score again next year, well, then it's just... you're You keep doing it over and over. Um, so for me, a big thing when I'm rebuilding is first off, you need to look at what the league's doing in every league. I just was scrolling through while you were talking every league that I'm in the team that's in last place in max points is in last place in max points by over 200, which you could have Justin Jefferson on that team healthy and they would still be in last. So that's already oversold like crazy. (laughs) That's so that's so much where if there's so many people where it's like oh hey i'm rebuilding i'm gonna sell hollywood because he's 26 and it's like well hollywood's still gonna be hollywood for another five years he's still gonna be producing when you're contending again so don't just throw him away for no reason like if you're rebuilding take stock of the fact that these guys don't just disappear overnight some of them sure they do but we've gotten so dynasty brained to the point where if someone's over the age of 24 they're basically dead and a lot of these guys play until their early 30s just fine sure injuries if you're 31 you take an injury i mean that might just be it but like a guy like keenan allen like is just cruising right along yeah i I there's so many people that were probably rebuilding and saw keenan allen was 28 and sold him for like a late first saying oh he's only got a couple more years he's not going to be around when i'm contending again and here he is at 31, and he's, like, wide receiver three. Well, also, though, like, I, time is such a funny, fickle thing in the dynasty world when people say, oh, he's probably only got a couple more years left. And, well, both sides of the scenario that you just laid out are true. He's 28. Oh, he's probably got a couple years left. That's a long time. A guy, a guy having three more years of of, uh, of production like Keenan Allen, you know, at that time, like three years is a long, long time. And just because you're playing Debbie and you're looking like a complete freak in a trench coat at some high school football game, scouting literal children, uh, <laughs> you know, thinking about what the 2037 draft class is going to look like or whatever, like that doesn't change the fact that like a year one season is a long time okay and i really think that you should never be you 
if you really don't think that you can recover to be a contending team in two years, two seasons, like, I think you're doing it way too hard in that direction, you know? Like, I, I think with most reasonable competitive leagues, you could strip a team down to parts reasonably and make moves and then be like, be somebody with contending aspirations within two years. And that's, there's, there's two major points that I want to hit on. Um, one, the average dynasty league lasts three to four years. That's it. So unless your league is very stable and it's a lot of people that you can depend on being around for a while, a lot of these rebuilds that people are planning for three, four, five years won't even be done by the time the league folds. So you're just donating. And on the flip side, the Dynasty movement started on, I guess, technically March 1st of 2019. That year, I bought a 25-year-old Mike Evans for two late first-round picks from someone who decided to go productive struggle because he's already 25 and he'll be 28 by the time that I'm competing again. Mike Evans has been a wide receiver one every single year since then, with the exception of one where he was banged up for most of the year and didn't catch his 30 touchdowns a year that he normally does. So, like, stop! Just fucking stop! God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm totally with you. Like, there's so many players, like, that and if... don't have to be Keenan Allen, but, like, just because you're like, oh, I'm a rebuilder, doesn't mean you have to go out and buy, like, you know, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and, like, all these guys who are super young and super pricey like they're pricey because people just assume that it's up into the right consistently for them you know i'm sure that there were people who sold the farm for juju smith schuster back in the day like anything can happen and isn't there a lot of information that suggests that the prime for wide receivers isn't an even isn't even until they're like 27 uh it i think that varies quite a bit based on uh, how early someone breaks out. Um, okay. Like someone like Justin Jefferson, it's like 24. For, yeah, I mean, um, like... But for, like, the average NFL wide receiver, yeah, it's, like, mid-late 20s. Uh, yeah, usually and, like, that, that's not to say that they, like, that they're... Like, we, we have a pretty good indication of who is good, you know, but, like everybody just always wants like the hot new thing you know um like it's I, I don't i don't know like once again age is overestimated you could totally get productive players who have plenty of years left for much cheaper just because they're like two or three years older you know and if you're thinking in these two-year cycles like you know you can pretty easily like keep the clip going like yeah. if, if you rebuild smartly you know and and you don't just like put everything on a wing and a prayer on all these like young guys just hoping that they're always going to be the best guys yeah so stop selling mike evans for like devin singletary and miles sanders because those guys are rookies 
Like the yeah. hit, the hit rate on these picks is not as good as you'd hope, and people keep giving away guys in their prime, or even sometimes before their prime to re-roll on them. Yeah, man. Like, who would you rather have this year, or hell, who would you rather have this year and next year? Would you have? Would you rather have Keenan Allen or Michael Mayer? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, like, like cool. I, I like I Michael, Michael Mayer. Mayer. I think he's going to be a very good player, but I mean, I mean sure, sure. He, sure, sure. Like Keenan Allen's why, winning a championship, which will pay Keenan for Allen's my winning, dues for the next decade. And I can find another Michael Mayer. If, if you're getting those late first round picks, you know, like, like Michael Mayer was a late first is what I'm getting at. You know, like, like you, you could have Keenan Allen or Michael Mayer, and you could probably buy into Michael Mayer since he's a tight end for the same price. Like, you know, I like at the end of the year when when all is said and done. You, same thing with Quinton Johnston. You know, <laughs> which Chargers receiver would you rather have? Is that a joke? It sounds no. like a joke. No, that's not a joke. I'd rather have Keenan Allen. Yeah, absolutely. Keenan Allen probably has a longer career in the NFL than Quinton Johnston. From this day forward. From now. Starting now. (laughs) I'm not so certain about that. I'm not either. He's 31. He definitely has a longer useful life. Yeah. Because QJ is done. I'm memeing a little bit here, but you get my point. Yes. You know, um... Yeah, but that's that's a big point is if you're rebuilding, don't just give guys away. Get at least get value and pay attention to how many points you're actually giving away. Because I got Cortland Sutton for a late second this year. I got Gabe Davis for a mid second this year. Both of them are wider receiver threes or better. Like you can get dudes that produce for cheap. Like, who would you rather have today? Rashawn Johnson or Cortland Sutton? Who? Rashawn Johnson. Oh, Roshan. Roshan? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ro- no, I, I'd, I'd much rather have Sutton than, than Roshan. Because that's, I, I was that was what Roshan. the trade was. Yeah. Functionally, I, that trade. Yeah. I mean, I I don't really like either player, but for I sure don't think Sutton's have. a world beater, but he's someone he's that you can start yeah. frequently. I start him most weeks, and he usually does all right. Yeah, I um, mean, especially with guys after the first round, like yeah, it's such they, a crapshoot. The hit rates on draft picks, especially after the first, are awful. Yeah, and also people like you know going going back to like calling it game theory or whatever there's so much like social deduction that goes on in the fantasy landscape that is like fairly predictable um you know like i i feel like almost every rookie from this class other than maybe like puka and uh maybe puka and cj stroud maybe that's it um but like other than those two every rookie has had like a buy low opportunity where i have seen this community essentially call them dust (laughs) you know like that's not a knock on this community like that's just a temperature check on like 
a larger like a, a, a larger uh, vibe check from like the macro market and you know obviously some people meme everybody has their preferences and whatnot but like you know if you were in on A-chan A-chan was a healthy scratch week one if you were in on uh, you know Jordan Addison like he couldn't beat KJ Osborne for snaps uh, if you were in on um I, I don't know if you were in on like uh, uh, Jaden Reed, he was pretty invisible for some weeks. You know, Marvin Mims has come crashing down to earth. Guys like Tank Bigsby are essentially free. Like Tank Dell is like maybe one of the only other guys who like has never really had that much of a lull other than like, you know, size concerns. But the larger point here is that you don't need to get these guys on draft day. Sometimes you can just wait a couple weeks and make slightly more informed decisions. Maybe you pay like a slight premium at the cost of drastically lowering the risk. I don't know. So I have dynasty nerds introduction to dynasty page pulled up right now. And you may ask, why is that? Why is it? It's because they have a thing for rookie hit rates from 2012 to 2017. And this is calling a hit as a top 24 season, or one season, just one season of a top 24 running back, top 30 wide receiver, or top 12 tight end or quarterback. Um, in the first round, the hit rates, 45.8%. So you have a half Every first-round pick, based on those numbers, is a 50% chance of just not ever really being a quality start. Now, granted, this is only saying top 12 quarterbacks and everything, so I'm assuming this is one Wait, quarterback. So th- that was top – let me get this straight. So it's running top back to – Top 12 quarterback, top it's... 24 running back, top 30 wide receiver, yeah. top 12 tight end? Yep. Okay. So it's basically a quarterback one or a tight end one, running back two, or wide receiver three. Um, okay. and first round hit or first round pick, it's a 45% chance. That's that actually first, crazy that your first round pick will ever be someone that will actually carry your team at all. Now <laughs> that's actually pretty wild. Do you want to, the, that number goes down to 31.7% that they'll do it in two seasons. So there is now a one in three chance that your first round pick will be useful more than one year. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, they do not go further than that, but that's this is by Mike Taglieri. Um, but yeah, it's not great. Now, second round picks that goes down to thirty percent for one year, and eighteen percent for two. So you're now a one in five chance that your second round pick is going to be a long term starter. And it's only 4% that your third round pick will be a long-term starter. And a 9% chance that they'll do it once. So keep that in mind. When you're blowing everything up, if you only have like two-thirds, or like you're looking at your draft picks and you're feeling great about it. You've got two firsts, one early, one late, and you've got three second rounders and three third rounders. The likelihood there is that you have two long-term players 
out of your eight picks on average yeah that's I don't know like the the, the more the, like the longer that I'm in dynasty the, the more that I feel like and I I'm worried that the community is moving towards this so that like eventually this is not going to be a viable strategy but I feel like more and more the move is to just spend your picks like and... don't don't have a single pick when it comes to draft well and that's just it right is when people see these numbers someone has to pick so what it'll do is it won't get rid of the picks all it does is it diminishes their value or increases them based on mm-hmm. your hit rate well i would trade a 31 keenan allen for a 30 percent chance at an elite player long term like okay that's just a weighted risk but just keep that in mind right like, someone has to draft. So if you want to stock up on picks, you can get four firsts, and great. You probably have two great players long-term. Um, But I know for me, I had three first-round picks, number four, five, and six in a one-quarterback league, my home league, um, last year, 2022. And I was feeling very good when I took Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, and Garrett Wilson. Nice. And guess I mean, what? Hey, one of, one of, them one of them's great. And you know what? I traded Burks for Dotson in a second. <laughs> and you want to know what? Dang. That second was Michael Mayer. Hey, okay, okay. So, like, but that's just it. It's like, you're expecting these three guys. I was expecting, it's a three-wide receiver league. I just drafted my three wide receivers. One of them plays for me, and he's having a rough year because his quarterback is injured. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, so it's you can't depend well, on it. It's just well, another year of rebuilding because of it. Yeah, I mean, like in that case, like you want to know who my starting wide receivers on that team are right now? Cortland Sutton. Nope. It's Garrett Wilson, Puka Nakua. Let's go. And Mike Evans. Let's go. Okay. Incidentally. Let's- Two yeah. of those guys, I traded Nick or I traded uh, Jamison away in a package for Nico Collins. <laughs> he was a throw-in, and Burks Nico is no longer my team. Jamison was. Jameson was. Nice. And Dotson is a bye week filler for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's three first-round picks, baby. Yeah, but but I mean. When, when you contextualize it like like you did, you know, okay, a first-round pick has a 30% chance at being relevant, and you got three first-round picks and one of them hit. Like, exactly. That's, that's Well, that just paints it right there. Right. Like, that, that, that truly does paint it. Um, and that's why I think it's actually far more effective if you see a rookie that's popping off, trade your picks for that guy. Agreed, man. That, take, that's why, like, take the was, risk out. That's I would, why there was that huge gold rush for Puka after week one. Well, and that's just it. Is, and that's if you're tanking, that's what I would like to say. First round picks have a 33% chance at long term success, right? Roughly one in three. If you trade two firsts for a rookie that has hit and you are confident at being a long term hit, that's, I mean, you're already upping those odds to 50%, right? You're throwing one first away to guarantee the hit of the other one. Whereas, in a normal year, if you have those three firsts, well, you're probably throwing two of them away anyway. So you're saving a first-round pick by just buying the guy that already hit. Yeah. That's how I, I would rebuild. Man, yeah. Like, I I, I feel like the, 
like I, I feel like the move to rebuild is to buy rookies in season you know like if you if you waited because what, what, what was A-Chan's ADP? Uh, I believe he was going like right around the turn of the first to second round so like 112-ish okay yeah so he was like a late first early second you know mm-hmm. If he comes in and he does that 50-point performance after being a healthy scratch week one, and I I, pre- I need to preface this by saying, like, I don't really particularly love A-Chan, <laughs> uh, but I think it would be more prudent instead of drafting a running back, um, if you waited until, like, A-Chan and he, he has that 50-point game week one, against a historically bad Broncos defense. Like, he's going to cost more than he did on draft day, obviously. But, like, people still wanted him to prove it, you know? So, like... Because Monster also blew up that week. Right, right. Everyone right. It's on not, that team scored. It's, yeah, it's not like A-Chan was, was in a vacuum that game. But, like, if you, if you ponied up a little bit of the premium and were like, okay this guy doesn't look like he's going to be a bust. This guy looks like he's an NFL player. He had a very good game. And I'm not even saying that you need to wait for a guy to have an extraordinary game like this. Just like... They have to look like they're going to stick. Yeah, just kind of know that, like, like the, the guy's going to stick. Puka Nakua was a great example, too, because you could get him in a lot of leagues for a second-round pick after week one because people were just like, oh, you know what? 15 targets they didn't have anybody else he's kind of a scrub and it's like okay not, we know yeah, scrub's we know not that, gonna get 15 pit like targets like just of course take a shot. But, like but like we know we know that fi- that that second round picks have such a low percent chance of hitting um so if you cobble together whatever you need to without spending a first after that and bought puka it was like okay his value is already insulated a, a little bit because he's a rookie and he just had a great performance. So odds are at worst, his value drops a little bit, but he had the opportunity for that to skyrocket. And that's exactly what happened. And to quote our great uh, Electro Knicks from a conversation that we had earlier in the season, a really underestimated skill is um, not only knowing when to buy or sell low, but also knowing when to buy high you know like there were some people that called buying puka for a second crazy because he didn't have the draft capital you know but like recognizing that this the value that he's at right now is fairly insulated in terms of the floor but the ceiling opportunity is so much higher well and that's that's a super valuable skill and that's just it is when you look at this, like, the cold numbers of a second-round pick being a 30% chance at getting one great year, well, already you're looking at a rookie who's getting 15 targets in week one. You just trade that second-round pick for him, and now it's a 100% that your second-round pick's going to have one great year. Right, Like yeah. Even if Puka doesn't catch another pass the rest of the year, he already has over 800 yards. Well, like, what do you want? I know. <laughs> I, 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 I actually... So it's, uh... I, I saw somebody post today about um, if uh, uh, if JSN was going to hit the 525 metric that people like to use. And I was like, well, what's Puka at? 
And then I added it up. He's, on, like, he's oh, on pace he's, with 1,560 yards. Yeah, like, like, oh, never mind. He's like, I forgot that he was. He already like, hit the metric. He like blew past it. And this is counting with, that. that's also counting him basically being, uh, well, one, having his bye week and then essentially having two unusable weeks because of Brett Rippon. Yeah. <laughs> and he's already at 800 yards. Like, come on. Yeah, so it's. Well, that Andy's been banged up. He's been questionable for, like, the last month with a knee injury. But it's... I think so many people are so hesitant to spend picks, especially when you're in a rebuild. Obviously, you want the picks because that's how you rebuild. And I'm saying, if you want to rebuild, spend them. Well, yeah. Picks are for the rich. Picks are for people who can afford to take risks. Unironically, (laughs) though. Like, I, I think that a really oh. helpful way to bring it back to the sort of, like, economics uh, game theory part of it, the goal of rebuilding is to not... Uh, the goal of rebuilding is not to acquire picks and young guys, you know? Like, we, we, we need to look at it The goal like, of okay. rebuilding is to make your team be able to win. Right, right. So the number one goal of any Dynasty League is to win right and how do you win you get guys who have value and so the goal of a rebuilder is not to get picks and young guys that is a step that's obviously a a, a way to increase your value the 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 quickest and, and skyrocket things because um you know young guys we know the least about them. We have the least amount of information. They are the most made of wax. They can be, you know, they're, they're malleable. They, they could be, you could get a guy like Puka Nakua in the fourth round of your rookie draft and boom, all, this, all of a sudden he's worth two firsts or something like that. The goal of a rebuilder is to increase your team's value. And all that draft picks are they are a store of value, right? Like yeah. You get a draft pick, they are guaranteed to maintain that value and, and go up the closer that you get to draft day. The moment that you spend them, the moment you're tied to a player and it is no longer a... It's not a known... speculative asset anymore. It's not a yes. fluid asset. Right. It, it is no longer uh, liquid. You, you are, you know, you, you put your... Uh, your your eggs in the basket of this player and so when you look at it that way of like as a rebuilder you're looking to increase your team's value in terms of in, in, in like value is typically like you know some cross of age and production or whatever um, don't underestimate the production part of it even if the age side isn't totally there you know like just to bring it back to the example that I brought up earlier, like somebody like Miles Sanders is a really ugly buy low, a true buy low. The sort of like people are saying that he could be out of the league and you could get him with a, you could get him with late round picks and he has the potential to come around and, you know, like there's a possibility that that groin injury lingered, you know, this line has really regressed from last year. We've seen that year to year, like uh, O-line play isn't necessarily sticky. Um, 
So it's po- like he has a lot of money tied up to him. It's possible that he bounces back and is like a, you know, solid mid-range RB2 for like two years starting next year. You know, like that is in the, the range of outcomes. And that to me is better than a lot of the guys that you could get in the second round. I, like I would not spend a second round pick on him, but anything later than that, you could flip Miles Sanders for that or just use him in that production, you know? It's not like, like he's going to so lose you... more value. Right. Much. Yeah, yeah, anyway, like, you already like, know what you're getting. Right. Miles Sanders has more value to gain than he can lose. You know, he's closer to... Zero than to his ceiling. Right. Yes. He's closer to... He's closer to zero than I believe his floor should be viewed. And that's just one example to put out there. Like, there's so many other people... And, like, you know, true buy lows in this situation that you should be looking at are guys that you should, that, like, people should laugh at when you inquire about them. A buy low is not, like, people misuse these terms all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, a buy low is not somebody like Puka Nakua. Or Bijan Robinson. Yeah, yeah, like, like, obviously like a, B- a good player, but right, in a weird like, situation. like, people are saying like, oh, B- you know, Bijan's had two bad weeks in a row, like, time to buy low and whatnot. It's like, no, like that, that's, that's, that's so silly and stupid and unrealistic. Like, if you approach the Bijan owner in your league and are like, oh, I'll give you a late round first for him or a late first round, like, they're gonna laugh at you. Nobody's gonna like re-roll for Bijan. These are Bijan is the kind of player that people sold the farm for to go all in essentially. And he's still viewed as the, uh, if not number one running back in dynasty, he is in that top tier. Um, I would actually go in a different direction here. Um, instead of, uh, you know, going on cheap, like buying low, I'm willing to bet that you could cash in on the hype of a Caleb Williams and send that offer of that first overall pick for like Justin Herbert, man. I, or even Josh I, Allen right now, who man, people are I, like, oh, Josh Allen, he leads the league in interceptions. Blah blah blah. I'm with you. I think that that is you the are new hoping and praying that your first round pick sniffs the kind of production that those kind of guys do. I am so with you on that. Like, I I really think that if. Like I'm a I'm of a couple of different minds here. 2021, right? Mm-hmm. Was 2020 and 2021 were viewed as really really good draft classes. Yeah. 2021 specifically was viewed as like a generation, like you know, one of those classes where if you acquire as many picks as you can in 2020 or 2021, you're set, right? Mm-hmm. Um and and in a large amount of ways, you know, I don't want to say that those classes were busts or anything like that. You know, 2021, we had uh, uh, Javante Williams, Jamar Chase, and whatnot. In 2020, we had Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and, like, amazing players. But if you sold the farm to get in those two years, you are probably not happy with the results. If you have any of the running backs that aren't Jonathan Taylor from 2020 
which all of those were promised to be blue chip guys, mm -hmm. you're probably really disappointed. 2021, you probably got unbelievably burned. Trevor Lawrence was Caleb Williams then. Kyle Pitts was, uh, uh, who's that tight end? Johnny Smith. No, 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 no. The, the tight end who's coming in next Brock year. Brock Bowers. Yes, yes. Kyle Pitts was Brock Bowers. Like, there are some very direct parallels that you can make. And it's just astounding to me that people are, like, licking their lips to sell the farm for this when not two years ago we saw a very similar prospect class go belly up. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, even Mac Jones, Kyle Pitts. These are all guys that went in the first round and are busts. Right? <laughs> they're not playing up to what you spent. Right, right. And they're, they're absolutely not doing that. Uh, so we're so running I, up right against the clock here, but there is one thing I'd like to point out. And I'm oh. on keep trade cuts. I don't like KTC, but it's the it's the the pulse of, you know, the people. Yeah, you, <laughs> the reactionary you monsters. Yeah, um, they do. I will say they so absurdly overrate draft picks. Like yes. it's not even funny. But if you look at KTC here, um, and you look at the most valuable players in the league, look at how many of them are were actually the first overall pick in ADP that year. Pat Mahomes, yeah. definitely not. Jalen Hurts, no. Justin Jefferson, late first. Jamar Chase, ish, usually second. I saw Najee usually went before him. Um, Josh Allen, late first. C.J. Stroud, about 104, 105. Justin or er, Joe Burrow was the 101, but he is tied in value with Justin Herbert, who was going in the late first. Uh, it's like you're. I'm just going down this list of guys, and almost all of them were not the first overall pick almost yeah, universally Bijan robinson's behind cj stroud the i mean he's basically tied in value with anthony richardson and jameer gibbs so like i guess to tie it all back together in a nice bow the first overall pick isn't worth that much stop blowing it up it's not, and I'm I'm totally with you in that it's so worth it to overspend a little bit for known commodities in a rebuild than hope for that home run pick. Because, you know, if you're taking Caleb Williams with the 101, how much can his value reasonably rise? He's current, or so, the 2024 early first. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, too. Is 18th overall. Right. Caleb like, Williams is already worth more than Tua. Tua is 24 years old. Right. And and, and, Caleb and Williams, is already a quarterback one. Yeah, Caleb Williams has so many... Caleb Williams has like, never played a snap. Marks. He could be great. That could be a win. But you could get Tua for free. <laughs> well, you could guarantee... I mean, not, you not, can, not really Well, it's for not for free, free but, but it's you can either yeah. open the mystery box and hope that you get Tua... Or you could uh -huh. just get Tua. Uh, yeah, man. Brees Hall, 21st. Garrett Wilson, 19. Trevor Lawrence, 22nd. These are all guys you can get for that pick. Man, for a guy I that has be... never played in the NFL, that 
I mean, I fully expect Caleb Williams will be a very good NFL player, but there is a chance he won't be. And you can lock in a very, very good, literally anyone outside of the top 17 players in value, you can lock in today with that draft pick. Man, if I, if I wanted to say something really spicy, I would be like, if if I had the 101, I would be knocking on, and I wanted youth, I I would be taking that 101 and knocking on the CJ Stroud owner's door. Um, you probably wouldn't get it, but you probably wouldn't have to add a whole lot to get him. You say, yeah, hey, like, I'll trade the, you the, Caleb that, Williams in a second for CJ I mean. Stroud. Like, like the, and you'll probably if, get him. If if you ha- if you have the one on one, I would re- like I would rather take the one on one and pay the premium for CJ Stroud than roll with Caleb Williams. Yeah, because we already know Stroud's generational. He's literally having the best rookie season of all time, and right. some people would trade him for the thought that they could get more generational. Yeah, I like. I'm just saying, like, well, in, in terms of, like, being able to acquire C.J. Stroud, there will still not be that much information about him since we'll have one season under our belt. And the way that I see it, as a rebuilder, there will never be another time going forward that C.J. Stroud will be as obtainable for you. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's already quarterback four. Yeah. And you could still probably get him for a single 101 plus a little extra cheddar. Yeah. Like, there, there could still be some concerns about his ceiling, even though this last week was really good. But, you know, we still haven't seen him with a competent run game or an actual O-line or, like... I mean, you know, he did weapon. that without his wide receiver one, his running right. back one, or his offensive line. Damian Pierce out. Nico Collins out. Offensive line injured still just kills it right and you could still probably get him for caleb williams yeah so like yeah we're, we're not even saying like as a rebuilder that you should be like buying older dudes it's just spend the little extra when you know these young guys are lock it in are, yeah we, spend a little extra when you know these guys are locked in versus like trying to hit home runs with these mystery boxes because caleb williams you know he could be trevor lawrence yeah he could be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he could be Pat Mahomes, and he could be Danny Dimes. He but could be Dan, he could be uh, Tommy DeVito. With all that said, fellas, we are all out of time for the week. This is a good one, man. This is a great one. We need to talk shit about rebuilders more often. But and more importantly, we need to talk about the Mac more. We we need to talk about the Mac forever. Ever. This is just a Mac podcast now, going forward. I love the Mac so much. But, yeah, thanks, guys, for stopping by, especially those of you who uh, sat in through this whole thing. Really appreciate it, as always. And we will catch you in the next one. Take care.